Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about how to cure burnout, boredom, and the effects of a bad boss. Wow, if you are going through any of that right now, this is the episode you need to listen to because we're going to get a lot of hope and restoration from this episode. Today, I brought on Amber Beam. Amber is a career coach whose mission is to eradicate soul-sucking jobs everywhere. With 15 years in HR as an IO psychologist, she's seen it all. Now she's throwing back the curtain to reveal what you really need to know to win over skeptics in HR. She shatters that it's too late and I don't think I have enough experience myths to show women over 40 how to cash in on decades of experience and launch a soul mate career that makes a difference and pays the bills. Her proven coaching programs and courses have helped tons of talented women score five-figure raises and summer Fridays year-round. Her greatest achievement is hearing clients say, now I look forward to going to work. So as you can see, Amber is going to be absolutely incredible here, and this episode is going to be a fun one, I can already tell. So let's launch right into it with our episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Amber, how are you doing today? Oh, super. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for coming up with that title. I did not come up with it myself, I must admit, to all of our listeners here, and I think it's just really creative. Thanks. The alliteration of bees works for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's actually what I want to open up asking about. It's We're talking about three bees, so burnout, boredom, and bad bosses here. So why are those three things grouped into one sort of episode category? Yeah, I think that they've hit every single employee at some point. You've had one of the three. For those who have been super unfortunate, you may have had all three at once. And I love sharing just kind of tips and tricks, hacks for how to break the pattern and really find relief. Mm, relief. That's something I think we could all use if we're going through any one of these. I think it's great. And on a personal level, I have personally experienced all three of these. And I found that when I did have the boredom, there also was a sense of burnout, which almost seems ironic because if you're pushing yourself too hard, then wouldn't you think that you're not going to be bored? I've also experienced maybe not terrible bosses, but I've been managed in a way that I didn't feel like was right for me and it didn't allow me to thrive. So I think this episode is going to help a lot of people. First, I just I want to go into this thing that we talked about before, which is this COVID awakening, people realizing that they don't belong in their careers. I guess, how have you seen that come into play as of late? Yeah, I would say for the majority of my most recent clients, they're having this aha. There's a lot that the pandemic has shown us. One, how much we value safety, how much we value our family, and what honestly we're willing to put up with. And I think a lot of people have had this aha moment where they're thinking, oh, this is it. Like when everything else is stripped away, this is it. And I don't like it. I don't want to do this. And I think for most people, it feels a lot like a burden. There's this, this heavy weight around, well, what do I want to do? And right. where do I even start? Right. Absolutely. I can think of a few people I've connected with who are kind of going through that same thing. But really, why do you think that is? It's because like the in-person office environment is removed and you get down to the essence or the core of what your job actually is when you're working at home? 
Absolutely. I think all of the niceties have sort of been taken from us. And Mm. there's this real look at the work itself. There's a look at your career trajectory. And for my clients who are mostly mid-career, they've had, you know, 15 or 20 years, sometimes in the same role, sometimes even at the same company. And there are a lot of things that are just kind of coming to light that they were okay with or willing to put up with or just kind of wrote off as part of the job. But now there's this moment of, okay, if this is it, is this what I really want to be doing? And if not, where do I go from here? Where do I even start? Especially for people who have an entire career in one role. It's hard for them to kind of step out and say, oh, I could do this or I could be in this profession or maybe I should check out so-and-so's role because that sounds so good. Um, There's a (laughs) lot of confusion around the what's next question. Right, exactly. Hopefully this episode, we can inspire people to look at what's next and be hopeful for the future core concepts of this podcast, really. I don't like to go into the negative here too, too much. I guess I should say I don't like to scare people, but I do think that there is a lot of motivation behind the psychology of pain and kind of realizing that we want to move away from pain. So in your opinion, kind of painting the vision here, what do you think happens for someone if they continue to stay in these jobs that are causing boredom, causing burnout, or dealing with those bad bosses? What happens? I think the number one thing that I hear from clients is I stayed too long. And that has lots of implications. One, the time. You cannot make more time. You can't get that time back. And two, you've added to this trajectory in your career that maybe you don't want to continue. And you could have been using that time to really pursue the thing that you enjoy. Mm. Or for some people, it's that time that they didn't get to pursue their calling, the thing that they were really put on the earth to do, to pursue their purpose, to give to others, to serve others. And instead, they spent time doing things that really weren't suited to them. And there's no way to like grab that time back. And I think there's the hopefulness of that is if you're feeling it, just know it's absolutely normal. And it's a signal. It's like a hunger pain almost, you know, to let you know, hey, it's time. Don't fight me. Don't resist. It is time. I love that. Somebody needed to hear that, Amber. So thank you for bringing that to light. Absolutely. So let's launch into the heart of this podcast here. I want to tackle these three Bs in detail. I think we need to do that, actually. So let's become the doctors here. I'll let you become Dr. Amber. So let's share (laughs) the antidote with warriors who feel like they're dealing with any of these three Bs. So what is the Amber Beam approved way to dealing with burnout, boredom, and bad bosses? And let's actually start with burnout because I think that's, I don't know, something that resonates with me and something that I think I really want to cover first. Yeah, absolutely. I had an amazing client, Julie, who loved her company. I mean, she loved her boss. She loved the people that she worked with. And she had been there nearly 20 years, but she was fully burnt out. She had reached the peak of burnout. You'll know it when you do these kinds of things. You stop taking vacations. Your friends and family are missing you or comment regularly on how stressed out you seem, or you stop doing the things that you really love, like you used to run or play tennis or brunch with your girlfriends, and suddenly you're never available for brunch. And if you've said to yourself, you know, for two months straight, oh, this will be over soon. You know, for my client, Julie, she had the classic case of being the best performer. And it's always easy 
for a manager to lean on their best performers to get these miscellaneous things done, right? So Julie would be the first stop for any kind of catch-all miscellaneous challenge. Oh, hey, Julie, can you take a look at this project plan? Can you go over these numbers? Can you talk to so-and-so in finance about what's happening with the shipping of these things? She seemed to be the dumping ground for miscellaneous work. And it had really gotten to the point where she didn't know how to stop being that person. Is the tagline miscellaneous work or can it be just the work that you were kind of like your department? I think it can be both. I think for the most part, the burnout really generates around just doing more than your general workload. So if you're finding that 60 hours a week is sort of your norm, this is a problem. And I like how you kind of portrayed through someone you've worked with, like kind of the symptoms that you would see, like, I think the brunch example is great because, you know, like these are some things that could happen to you if you legitimately enjoy doing these things out in the non-work world. I think that's great. That makes a lot of sense. And so what I, what I would wonder is when it comes to burnout, like are there symptoms that might manifest, like for instance, like lashing out at people or just other things that maybe like go wrong? Absolutely. I think being on edge or finding that maybe you're not sleeping or you're not sleeping as well as you used to. You're highly dependent on caffeine. Wow. Um, like you your behavior. Me a few months ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> your behavior like, yeah. really changes. It's so true. Like I, this has been my dream job really for the last, you know, whatever, five years, but I still experience these things. So, I mean, I would tell myself and maybe tell other people that it's not necessarily like the job you're in that may be causing it. It's maybe just you're doing too much, you know, yes, you got too uh, much on your plate. Right. And the art of saying no, I would say mm-hmm. I can't give advice on that because I'm not good at it. But <laughs> same here. <laughs> I actually took a class on time management. And one of the topics was like how to say no. I took so many notes there because I was like, I could learn from this. Yes. Margins <laughs> filled on your notebook. Yeah. <laughs> how to say no. I love that. Great. This makes a lot of sense for burnout. Anything else you want to add there? I would say some simple tricks to kind of help with burnout. Everybody kind of defaults to like meditation or quiet time, reading. I think the simplest way is to start with gratitude because Mm. it sounds like a lot like the position you were in. You were loving the work. You were excited about what you were doing and those things you can be grateful for. And then sort of stepping back and saying the other pieces of it might be something I want to work on and choosing one thing, keeping it small. And starting with something easy, like I'm going to start the day with saying no to three people. Like that is my mission by the end of the day. When I'm randomly asked for things, I'm going to try to say, no, I can't do it today. Okay. And then we're going to circle back to bad bosses because I have a follow-up question to that on how to deal with that when it's your boss. Absolutely. um, Asking you these things. I think that's awesome. So to really summarize your key point, you think one of the best things you can do, it's true gratitude for what you have going on. It starts with that. And any practical tips on how to make that happen for yourself? Yeah, I'll say one of the things that I constantly coach people on is mindset. And when we used to enter the office building, that used to be one of my tricks. So when I was in a place of burnout, I would Mm -hmm. drive into the garage, I would park in my same spot every time. And before I open the door, I would say three things that I was grateful for. 
And sometimes the only thing I could think of was that they had paved the potholes on the street on the way on my commute. (laughs) But I was grateful for that. So Uh. try to go as small as you possibly can, the smallest, most minute thing. And then think about that even in terms of my work. Sometimes I would say, okay, I am super grateful that I have a door on my office and today I will shut it for 20 minutes and I will use that (laughs) as the no area. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. So let's talk about boredom here. I think that this is going to be a fun one. How do we know if we're bored? I think the classic sign is you have a lot of free time. So a lot of free time. A lot of free time. I remember Mm. in my first job, I was able to get basically what I had been tasked with done in the first two hours of my day. And I would spend the remainder of the six hours of my day watching the clock. I could only do that for so long because if any of you have taken the Strength Finders assessment, achievement is one of my top strengths and I have to get something done every day. So I needed more. For me, that looked like taking advantage of online training. And I would even recommend for you that you look into something like the free courses on Udemy or Coursera or the other platforms, you can actually bust out a certification. If you're in a downtime where you're really bored, think about like the future skills that you need and take advantage of that time. Use it productively. The other thing I think is to, in terms of trying to turn boredom around, is to really watch and listen what's happening in your office. What are the other projects that are going on? And this will be a little harder now that most of us are remote, but you can have some kind of informal conversations with people offline. Hey, what are you working on? Oh, that sounds exciting. I might like to be a part of that. Do you think it would be okay for me to ask to take on this role and maybe be responsible for this piece of that project? And that is definitely a conversation to have with a boss. I like it. You're taking on areas of interest, some things that might appeal to you in that regard. And my question almost goes back to the whole burnout question, but does it become a problem if you're you know, taking on too many things or do you have to already not be burned out in order to get to that stage? Yeah, I think that's a, it depends. <laughs> I would say understand your need for balancing your work. And if you find that your burnout is related to doing the same task over and over, This idea of finding something new and interesting is a great alternative. But if your burnout is related to too many things on your plate, this is not going to be a solution. Mm, But if your boredom leaves you with all of this free time, this is a great way to really announce to your boss, not that you're bored. We're not saying that at all. (laughs) What we are (laughs) going to say is, hey, I heard about this project I think it's super interesting and I could add value by doing X, Y, and Z. Do you think that's something that your peer manager X would be open to? Because I think it could really bring our two divisions or departments closer together and understanding each other's work. Every leader (laughs) on every company wants you to be organically building these networks, right? True. And you would be the embodiment of doing that. No manager in their right mind is going to say no. I love that. You just gave me a flashback. I think back to my restaurant days, which were very fun. But I wouldn't say I was at one phase, you know, extremely bored. But I remember when, you know, one of the directors sent me over to a restaurant and he even he's like, you're going to be a little bit bored here because it's these guys are such so good at what they do that you're not going to have to do much <laughs> at all. <laughs> I hope my boss's boss isn't listening right now. But 
And then, you know, I went over and I had a great time, but kind of was true. It like wasn't very challenging. I kind of was doing the same easy things kind of day in, day out. And then I remember when they were kind of pitching, they're like, okay, we reopened this one restaurant every single summer. Everyone talked about like, oh my gosh, this is like, it's such a tough, you know, thing to do. It's like, no one likes doing it or no one wants to do that. And instantly I kind of like something kind of took over me. I was like, I'm going to do this. I volunteered myself. I was like, you know, I think, you know, I may not be the most qualified person for this, but I would really like to challenge myself and to make it happen because I think, first of all, it just shot me right out of my boredom instantly because it was just exciting opportunity to move locations and do a bunch of things that I never had done before. But, you know, I really do owe it to my boss for being open and allowing me back in the day to do something like that. And it was possible because I did what you exactly said, which is like spoke up and tried to make it happen for myself. So that's a great example, Amber. I'm glad yeah, you brought it up. And I think to piggyback on what you've said, like two or three good points there. One, self-promotion. Let's don't mm. assume that your boss knows what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. They know what you got hired to do for right. them. And that's all. So right. coming to them and saying, I also have this experience or this inclination and interest to gives them, you know, the opportunity to say yes. Two, you said, I didn't think I was qualified or had the experience. So many people stop short because there's this misconception, this myth that the experience is really all that matters. Mm -hmm. As an IO psychologist, an industrial organizational psychologist, we study basically the science of work, what motivation looks like, what great producing teams look like, what it takes to really increase your revenue by building out these beautiful cultures that support your employees and get great work done. And one of the things that we found is the number one indicator of productivity isn't intelligence. It isn't ability. It is motivation. Mm. So if you are motivated, if you want to learn something new, throw up your hand, tell them, wave it around. Pick me, pick me. I love it. I was so motivated. (laughs) Like, you're so right. And like, probably wasn't sustainable, but I like 1.5x how many hours I would work, you know, per week, because I was so driven and motivated because I really wanted to learn everything. And I really wanted to be the best, you know, and a little ambitious for someone whose first time it was, but I wanted to be the best. So I, you know, really took my own performance up to the next level, I think, because of that. I love these aha moments like during the podcast. It's like almost like therapy. I'm not like thinking about it until like the moment. I'm like, ah, yes, that makes so much sense. Thanks for giving people avenues to deal with their boredom. Go out and seek it yourself and to make it happen through conversations with your boss or heck, even going on Udemy and picking up a new skill. I think that's great. So let's talk about bad bosses. I always love this topic. I think I was just talking this over with my team earlier in a conversation. They're excited to hear about it because I think this is something that affects a lot of people. For a lot of people, it's a really big pain point. So how do I know if I'm dealing with a bad boss would be my first question. If you've ever cried in the ladies room, hidden in a Mm. stairwell, or went to lunch and didn't come back, those Mm. are all bad boss moments. You know, it's really (laughs) bad. Also, if you have the Sunday scaries. So if Sunday about four or five o'clock, you start to worry you have this anxious feeling about work beginning on Monday, that's a huge sign that you probably have a bad boss. So like that dread, that feeling of, I really, really don't want to, I don't want to make make it back. I don't want to go. And so is it, I mean, this is kind of like turning to like a boss's fault thing, but is it like a management thing? Is it the way that people are managing you? Performance management is one of the great mysteries of the corporate world. Very few people do it well. 
And I think it is the number one reason that we have bad bosses. They most likely know that they're bad and the manager above them either doesn't care because they get the work done or is totally unaware because they're not seeing maybe high turnover. So people don't routinely leave this boss. And you might be stuck in a situation where you kind of have to wait it out. You have to do your time. And this is the only place you can do that. And those situations are miserable. I think we spoke about earlier this idea of having a candid conversation with a boss. There are two things I really want to hammer home here. One, before you bring your beautiful concern, your heartfelt wishes for change to this person, take a minute and see how they receive feedback from others. If they are constantly defensive, Or when the conversation turns to opportunities to improve, they become offensive. We don't have time for that. How would I get that done? Take note of those moments. This is not someone who is going to receive your heartfelt concerns in the way that you want to offer them. That may lead you to take some other actions. On the other hand, you may be one of the few who has a boss who maybe is in an understanding period of, oh, perhaps they want to be a leader and they're getting some executive coaching. This is a great opportunity to have that candid conversation with them and bring in examples of ways that you have felt either unheard or haven't received feedback timely. Be very specific and give them examples of things that you didn't like or want done differently and then allow them an opportunity to respond. Okay. So you're saying, I come to the realization that I do have a bad boss. The first thing I should do before actually taking action with that person is to observe to see how they would react or respond to you if you were to have a conversation with them. And the ideal scenario is that you think that they would be receptive to a conversation and then you would move to have that open, honest, candid conversation. Obviously, you can't be too direct. So you're alluding at just kind of being a little bit more indirect with it, but still getting to the core point, which is that something needs to change. Absolutely. And I think, again, the examples, because if you say something like, I feel like you don't communicate well, that's like the worst thing to hear. But if you say, I send these emails and it takes, you know, two or three weeks for you to respond. And sometimes I need advice more quickly. That's really great. You give them an example of what's happening, why it doesn't work for you and what you need to work better. And I like how you showed the positive. So like, what is something that person could do? positively that would impact things in a good way, maybe better, quicker communication that might look like X, Y, and Z. And so that's one route is if you see that they're receptive, but I'm imagining some people right now who are like, my boss wouldn't do that. He would fire me right on the spot or he would, it would just be bad. What's the step to do if you know your boss is not going to be receptive to an open, candid conversation? I think the number one thing to do is be honest with yourself. This isn't in your control. You are not responsible for fixing this. Allow yourself off that hook immediately. This is not mine to own. I am not responsible for this. Mm. I am, in some essence, just affected by it. And then I would say, get a game plan together. Like, be honest. I'm going to have to leave. And that means I need to reach out to my network. This is something I talk about extensively in my career change bootcamp program, using your network. They can pound the pavement for you. They can open doors to um, places and people much faster than just applying to job boards. 
So start immediately by reaching out to your network to say, this situation really isn't getting any better. (laughs) And I think I'm going to have to leave. Knowing that I could use your help finding a job like this and try to be as specific as possible. Um, Imagine that they are repeating what you say to them to the potential person who could open the door and bring you on. So come up with a nice little soundbite, kind of like your elevator pitch Mm -hmm. to let them know what you do, because they know you have a job. But honestly, my friends wouldn't know what I do. (laughs) They couldn't tell someone else, you know, well, Amber's great at communication because she's done all these podcasts. They wouldn't say that. They would just say, I don't know. She has that job in HR. (laughs) Okay. So quitting, that actually was a questions that I had kind of coming into this episode, because inevitably, if you're dealing with a bad boss and there is no way out of that situation, then quitting must be a serious consideration for you. How do you know the right moment to quit? How do you know when to quit? I think um, this is another one of those instances of stayed too long. Sure. And it ties back to burnout in a way. Absolutely. Related. Yeah. You've heard the sirens. You know that this is not getting better. And if your friends and family are saying to you, you've got to get out of there. I know I have a friend right now who has been in a dreadful situation for over a year. And sort of the pandemic hit, and now she's kind of paralyzed with, there's no way I'm going to get a job during the pandemic. Right, right. It's like, this might actually be the best time. Because I think, like a lot of people, a lot of companies are saying, oh, wow, we could really be doing this better. Or that plan to take on digitizing X, Y, and Z that was outset for two or three years is today. (laughs) There's no wait time. And they might be looking for someone just like you. So I wouldn't let that stop you. And I would definitely say it's already been too long. It's kind of like, what do they say about thirst? The minute you realize that you're thirsty, you're dehydrated, it's too late. You should have been hydrating all along. You know it's time. You know in your gut. And the people who love you the most and care about you have probably said to you more than once, you got to get out of there. I love that, Amber. This question actually comes from someone on our team, but they ask, how do you mentally recover from a bad boss if you feel like it has caused you some trauma? Trauma, I should say. I really do think that these things do sometimes have long-term kind of effects on us, you know, whether it's too much stress and just having flashbacks to those moments, but how am I supposed to mentally recover? I think taking some time to think about what you own and what you don't own. You don't need to take on any of the behaviors that we typically see in a bad boss. So bullying, that's not yours. You don't own that. Anything around like mood swings, or I used to have an executive who had the bring me a rock syndrome. He never knew what he actually wanted. He would just pick at what you brought him until you duct taped together everything you had ever shown him. That wasn't mine, right? There was nothing I could do about that. But Mm. I could understand my side of owning that was not coming into any single presentation and thinking I was going to get a thumbs up. Yeah, Amber, go out there and do that. That's a great idea. That was not going to happen. And I had to know that going in. I think in terms of long-term repair, it's really about kind of forgive. Don't forget, but definitely forgive. We don't understand what's happening on the other side of this person. If you've ever met somebody (laughs) 
And now's a perfect example, like we're seeing into each other's homes, we're seeing other people's children. And if you've ever had that moment where you're like, oh, yeah, they're a real person. <laughs> like, there's the person, you know, at work, and then this whole other person, right, of who they are the other yeah. 16 hours of the day. So being able to forgive and say, I don't know what caused them to get to this place. And I hope that they come to a place where they can be better. But for me, um, taking care of yourself, that might look like forgiving yourself for staying too long, or maybe yep. for not speaking up, or if I had only. Write that list down and then tear it up and let it go. I love that. I wish you were my boss. <laughs> <laughs> that is such good human behavior. Overall, just so good. It's good for us. It's good for the people around us. That's incredibly important in our relationships. So can't thank you enough for bringing that insight to light. I think you were real during this podcast episode. You really shared some really great insight. So I want to hear final words of advice you have for career warriors here. I always ask our guests, if you could tattoo one encouraging message for career warriors, what would that message be? Tattoo, meaning it's um, pretty permanent. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think for me... Um, Take imperfect action. I know way too often we want to build out this 12-step plan and we mm -hmm. want to create, get all of our actors in a row. We want to have this really great idea and strategy for how we're going to solve all our problems. And far too often that leaves a lot of space for those limiting beliefs to just creep in. Things like, I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have experience. I don't have that degree. And what imperfect action shows us is that every step adds. And yeah, there's going to be some failure. There's going to be some moments of, why did I do that? But all of those things are learning opportunities. And they're eventually going to bring you to the place you should be. Those mm -hmm. small, consistent steps are the absolute best way to find what's next. Awesome. Very well said. And Rubim, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people find out more about you and what you're up to? My website is amberbeam.com, and I put a ton of free resources on a very special page just for you guys, amberbeam.com slash results, because I know that's what you want to get. Lots of things there to help with job search, to help with mindset, all of the things that we have talked about today. Awesome. Amberbeam.com slash results, correct? Yes. Perfect. For you warriors, I'll make sure to link that within the description of this podcast, as I always do. Probably better than most hosts about that. So take advantage of that situation and make sure to check out Amber's resource. I'll also make sure to include other social media links as well. Amber, thanks so much for coming on the show. You were excellent. Thank you so much. I had a great time, Chris. Awesome. Well, this concludes today's episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Just really enjoyed getting to this one, talking about burnout, boredom, and bad bosses here. Can't thank Amber enough for coming on the show because I thought she did a good job, not only in helping us to identify ways that we can deal with them in a nice, healthy way. Thanks so much for tuning in. I can't wait to see you next time. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.